Friday, March 10th. Welcome to the student section. Matt Murphy, Dan DiOrio, and our special guest. I, not really a guest, but we'll oh, introduce come him. come on. James Corrigan, Jimmy C., <laughs> friend of the program, making his official debut. He did have an appearance on one of the Underground episodes back in the day. But this is going to be a special episode, not only because we have James, but because it's primarily going to focus on the Big East Conference and the Big East Conference Tournament. Looking ahead, the matchups tonight, Seton Hall and Villanova, the oh, Friday yeah. night semifinal matchups. You're a big Seton Hall guy, James. We'll talk about that plenty on this episode. The other semi is Xavier and Creighton. But let's look at the tournament as a whole so far. A lot of basketball, college basketball action in New York City this week. The Big East, obviously, always at the Garden. And, and so far, it's been an interesting start to the tournament. Not a whole lot of upsets, but you guys have both seen games at MSG this week. What did you think of the first couple of matchups on day one? Uh, not good, uh, talent-wise. For uh, three bad teams and Xavier, DePaul is DePaul, and John Thompson the third. The fact that he's still employed at Georgetown, even two days after that loss to St. John's, is amazing to me. Yeah, I think Dan agrees with that about JT three and Georgetown. At least the start of the tournament and their lack of success in recent years. Yeah, so I was at the Garden as well. Great games. I disagree with James. I think they were actually two great games. Uh, the second one between Xavier and DePaul, not as great. But St. John's, I think that was a great game. St. John's-Georgetown, that that game came down to the buzzer. As it, a college, it had some old Big East Conference absolutely. flair to it with the coaches getting heated with each other. That was an awesome sight. Twitter was freaking out, and you saw it in person. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things, takeaways there, uh, I thought was funny. Immediately at, at the, after the game, I was in the post-game press conference, and both coaches, while they didn't apologize, they kind of seemed to just say, you know, that's part of the game. It's competitive. I like I like the other coach. I have respect for him and his program. I just think it's funny. But I don't see how James can say it was a bad game. No, it wasn't a bad game, but that was a great game. Maybe, the teams maybe were bad, bad. bad teams, great game. Any game that comes down to the final uh, final 10 oh, seconds, I'm all for. Great, By the great way, atmosphere. I hate the f- – I, I kind of don't like it when people are like, oh, it's just like the old days. It is just like the old days. So you don't like what I just and said. And it's like the new days too. This is the big this is still the Big East Conference. Yeah, I, I kinda see what James is saying. I feel like Big East and college basketball fans try to like draw parallels from the past when I don't think that's really necessary. Villanova just won a national championship. This year it looks like they're ready to send seven out of their ten teams to the the national tournament. Well, uh, when when you get a Netflix thirty for th- or not Netflix, an ESPN thirty for thirty that's on Netflix about the old Big East and the way it used to be, even if Villanova in 2016 wins the national championship, you can't say that it's the same as it was. It's not the same teams. It's not the same rivalries. It is it is different. You have to acknowledge right, that. Right. No, well, I'm just saying I feel like they try to justify how good of a conference it is based on their past success, which I don't think is necessarily necessary. Well, it, there, are, there are a lot of similarities. We do have to move on, but there are a lot of similarities between the start of the new Big East and the start of the old Big East. You know, a lot of upstart programs, a lot of programs that people don't pay that much attention to, even though there are some very good programs in there. And Villanova's sort of leading the way, but the rising tide has lifted all boats. Yeah, so we did get some sound from that game that I wanted to share, some post-game sound. A couple of hot takes from Shamori Pond, so we're going to play that now. I mean, it was amazing. Like, the crowd, everything was amazing. So, like, I think this is, like... Best tournament in the country. 
So that's Shamari Pons on his take on the Big East tournament, what it means to be playing in his backyard, calling the Big East Conference the best in the country. No, the, not the, the Big East the tournament. Best, yeah, so the excuse best me. tournament. What I are your guys' thoughts on that? I absolutely agree. It is, he's, he is clearly the best tournament in the country. You know, a lot of other conference tournaments, you know, the fans just make it throwaway tournaments. They don't really show up. It's like, oh, we're it's another conference tournament. But the Big East, Madison Square Garden, all of the fans. I've, I saw fans yesterday from basically all of the all of the Big East schools. Even even the schools that weren't playing at that moment, they all came out. Always a great atmosphere. Always great stuff at Madison Square Garden. You got the history and the present. So I actually I agree as well. I think he's not wrong in saying the Big East Conference tournament is probably the best. Maybe throw the Missouri Valley tournament in there. Arch Madness oh is boy. always great Arch every Madness. year. Wichita State representing the Missouri Valley Conference again this year in the NCAA tournament. But the second thing that Shamari Pond said in the post game is something I don't quite agree with. Shamari, what were your thoughts today on finding out you weren't Rookie of the Year and went to Patton? Were you upset about it, disappointed? Oh, uh, no, I just wanted to get the money. Sure, it didn't. You didn't have any reaction? Uh, not really. I just want to win <clears throat> at the end of the day. Oh. It's, a, it's a good accolade, but I just want to win. Do you think you deserved it? Uh, personally, I think so, but it is what it is. <clears throat> oh, God. And he's referencing Justin Patton, the post player for Creighton, who was the Big East Freshman of the Year this season, and he is a top NBA prospect. We were just looking at some mock drafts before the show today, and he's projected 16th, I think you said, Dan, and I, I think he deserved the award. And Shamori Pond's great freshman year, but came up a little bit short in my eyes. A little bit biased, but I would have even put Miles Powell of Seton Hall over him. Yeah. Well, the way I judge it is I, I try to look at the team if they were to play without that player. So you remove Justin Patton, and I think Creighton would obviously struggle. They lost their leading scorer now, Justin Patton. That would be two huge losses for them. But St. John's, you take away Shamari Pons, I don't think there's games. There's some games they won this year that I don't see them winning without him. So I kind of agree. I think Shamari Pons should have won it, especially the ties to the Big East in New York. I think that, you know, St. John's a program on the rise. They could have given it to Shamari Pons to kind of, especially you see these conferences try to give awards to those teams that aren't necessarily in contention, not the Villanovas, you know, not the Butlers. They try to get get some love to all the teams. I don't know if those are reasons to justify him winning it, but if it were up to me, I think I'd put Shamari as. I forget which player on DePaul won the Big East Sportsmanship Award. It was Billy Garrett. Oh, uh, okay. And it, it was actually funny in the post-game conference for that DePaul-Xavier game, the uh, the press kind of seemed to be mentioning all about his accolades rather than kind of four years of losing, which I thought was an interesting approach. And I actually asked him about his uh, – he started his Big East – career with winning rookie of the year and he ended it with a sportsmanship award i asked him if either of those two events <laughs> were the greatest uh moment he had in his time at depaul and yeah that's a little bit too much depaul talk on this big east episode i do i think billy garrett's a good player and they might be okay next year i think losing he's he's gone right yeah he's gone he's but other than him they had they do have some pieces there those Ponds clips that we had were from the Friday night game, or not Friday night, the first night games of the Big East tournament. St. John's beat Georgetown by one. Xavier beat DePaul by 11. Moving on to yesterday's games, the Thursday games, the teams that had buys were in action, and St. John's 
really laid an egg against Villanova. And that Villanova offense, even though they don't have a lot of depth this year, 108-67. You guys were both in attendance yesterday and an impressive offensive outpouring from the Wildcats. Yeah, James, why don't you start with your perspective as attending the game as a fan? Boy, they were just firing on all cylinders. How about Dante DiVincenzo? I like him a lot. He just lit it up. 25. Chris Jenkins lit it up. Josh Hart didn't score that many points, but he was still a a big factor. Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is going to be a star. He might be the one of the top three players in the Big East right now. I know he doesn't get that type of recognition this season because the own, his own teammate, Josh Hart, is the Big East player of the year. He's a top player in the conference that's pretty underrated this year because he's behind Hart. Jalen Brunson is probably the reason why Villanova will, in all likelihood, win the Big East next year and be a one seed. And, you know, Eric Paschal... He had 17, Eric a good, Paschal, one of his better, maybe his best performance as a Villanova player. Fordham transfer, Eric Paschal. Eric Paschal is such a key player for them. If they're going to win the national championship, he is going to step up, and he has the ability to. He's so versatile, but he's so strong and aggressive down low. He brings a lot of what Daniel Ochefu brought to the table last year, but even with a little more versatility. I'm not saying that he's as good as Daniel Ochefu because he was a great player, but he brings a lot of that versatility and the inside presence that Villanova really needs. Yeah, without Ochefu this year, a lot of the criticism on Villanova and their potential to be upset this time of year falls on their lack of a big man. And we will talk about their matchup tonight, Friday night, against Seton Hall and their big man, Angel Delgado, shortly. So stay tuned for that later in this episode. But right now, we're going to keep rolling on with the quarterfinal matchups and the results from Thursday's games. And we'll stay with the Villanova game. Dan, what did, what did you think? of DiVincenzo pouring in 25, Pascal adding 17, Villanova shooting at 62%, I believe, from the field. Their offense, they're, a lot of people think they're one of the safer bets this year to pick in March Madness when the bracket comes out, which is quite different from a lot of years past where people were hesitant to pick them. Yeah, uh, Villanova has kind of, in my opinion, faced some pretty big issues this season. They had They lost a lot of guys, and two of their you know, people criticize them for having six or seven real contributors. You got to remember, two of those guys are brand new to this program, and they're you know, DiVincenzo and Pascal, and they're really paying dividends immediately for that program. They they played excellent. I know it was St. John's, the eight seed in the tournament, and uh, your guy Shamari Pons, who you just said should have won Rookie of the Year in the conference. They came up way short. And yeah, it was kind of a. I think there, there's hope for St. John's, and that's what. Uh, that's what Coach Jay Wright mentioned in the in the post game. But the biggest takeaway was this ties the largest Big East uh, score differential. The, yeah. it holds the record. It ties the record. Sorry, it ties the record. And I think it was the most points scored, right? One hundred eight. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on that. I know this game ties a game between Syracuse and Boston College from the '80s as the oh, largest wow. differential, and I just think that's unbelievable. Also, Villanova, I just think that this looking looking at these teams left, uh, the two seed, the, the four seed, and the three seed, Providence, Marquette, and Butler have all been eliminated. I don't know that I see uh, Villanova losing another game in this well, big East. We'll keep those well, thoughts for our yeah, predictions. Sorry, we'll I'm get, getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that later, but... You, you know, have a Seton Hall oh, t-shirt on. Maybe we should talk about 62, their quarterfinal win. Real quick, I believe Villanova shot like 62% from the floor. Their yeah. shooting was unbelievable. That's we were talking about their defense, but they just light it up from the floor almost every game, and it's 
hard and almost impossible to beat. Yeah, and another thing we forgot to mention is Villanova played that game without Mikel Bridges. Yeah. He was actually he suffering from an illness. His status is uncertain for the remainder of the tournament. But a lot of people seem to say that the biggest flaw with Villanova is, you know, just how deep they are. Dylan Painter had a career-high 10 points, and he's yeah. not a guy really anybody around the country is probably familiar with. Absolutely. He's, and I, he was buried deep on their bench all year long. And he, he his stats did not necessarily translate to how well of a game he played. He really played great, filled a huge void for Villanova, and stepped up big. And Jay Wright's hoping to get Macal Bridges back. Quick shout out to a, a major fan of the student section, Liz Klotzbach, actually went to middle school with Macal Bridges in PA. So we'll move on because James has a 2016 Men's Basketball Tournament Champion Seton Hall Pirates Ooh. t-shirt on. Yep. They won yesterday in the quarterfinals, and they'll be playing on Friday night against that Villanova team. We will preview that game shortly, but they beat Marquette, and I think they're safely off the bubble now. They're probably a lock for the NCAA tournament. Well, there's no doubt that they will make it to the NCAA tournament for the second consecutive year of to the second consecutive year, the first time since 1993 and 1994 that Seton Hall will be in the NCAA tournament back-to-back years. Yesterday was all about one man, and that man is the product from the Dominican Republic and the graduate of the Patrick School, Angel Delgado, who was one assist away from a triple-double, 16 rebounds. He is so dominant. He is the most dominant center in the Big East and possibly in college basketball. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, award finalist. If he continues on this path, he'll win that and possibly push Seton Hall to new levels. And that second half that they played, one of the best halves that they've played all year. Now, I've got a question for you, James. As a Seton Hall fan, you were there yesterday. You saw Delgado's near triple-double performance. I was talking recently with a Seton Hall alum who thinks that this year's team is better without Isaiah Whitehead and that Delgado's season is a result of not having Whitehead in that offense. Now, is that of true? course, Bill Simmons has the Ewing theory, the Ewing theory being that if a player loses their best player, a player that has the focal point on him, that the team around them will get better. We saw that. A great example was when Carmelo Anthony was traded from the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets had a better season the following year. Possibly they are better, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I still think that they were better last season with Isaiah Whitehead. Isaiah Whitehead was just a special player. He was just a special, special player, the best Seton Hall player of my lifetime. And it was just, it's just impossible to replace him. But this Seton Hall team is close, and they're very, very good. But what they lack this year is that crunch time guy, that clutch guy, like Isaiah Whitehead. Kadeen Carrington is almost there, but not quite. Certainly a great win over Marquette. Uh, on Thursday, and we will preview their game with Villanova in the semifinals on Friday night. But let's talk about the late slate in the Big East tournament from Thursday and in the quarterfinal action. Xavier beat Butler 62-57, and Creighton beat Providence 70-58. Dan, you have an interesting stat about Butler and their Big East tournament struggles. Yeah, Butler is 0-4 in, in Big East tournaments since joining the Big East, obviously. They have not ever won a Big East tournament. I don't game. trust that That's team. That's unbelievable. I don't trust that team very much at all. 
when it comes to the NCAA tournament, even though they're going to be a three, maybe a four now because right. maybe they a lost. Five. Maybe perhaps. And yeah. we mentioned on our bracketology segment uh, that I think they were a two seed at the time. And I said that I was not comfortable with them at that seeding. I don't see them being, you know, a two seed type of team. Yeah, I know. James Decker said on our last show, and him, him and Tom Scabelli will be back on the next episode, perhaps record another one today previewing Selection Sunday, but stay tuned for that. But James said he hinted at Butler's struggles in the Big East tournament, and it came to fruition, a five-point loss to the Musketeers. And Xavier and Creighton, two teams that will play on Friday night in the semis, they've had their ups and downs this year, injury troubles. I was impressed by Xavier and Trevon Blewett, a guy I know you really like. Yeah, I'm a big Trevon Blewett guy. Um, I've gotten the chance to talk to him at the at at the end of both their games this uh, conference tournament. Not to brag. Yeah, not to (laughs) brag. He's a great guy, uh, easy to talk to, and, you know, he's a huge contributor to their team. And I think Coach mentions how much he means to their team, and I think it's obvious when that team steps on the court. He he basically won uh, their—he had their last second shot to lift them over uh, Butler. After that, it was just free throws. And, you know, he's the type of player where if they need someone late in the game to go to— he could be the answer, and he was a difference maker in this game. And, of course, the big storyline for Xavier is that this victory, in all likelihood, pushes them off the bubble. Yeah, just like and Seton Hall, pretty much. But Xavier was a little bit more on the bubble than Seton Hall yes, was. Yes, they were because of all their losses. Trevon Blewett, that, that he's healthy. The The fact that, he, that they beat a very good team like Butler shows the committee that this version of this Xavier team can still win games and beat good teams. At a so, neutral site, especially. especially at a neutral yeah. site. So I think that with this victory there in the NCAA tournament, maybe in the first four, probably not. And another crazy stat I feel like I should mention. This is Xavier's fourth consecutive trip to the Big East tournament semifinals. I just find that mind-boggling. A lot of people don't, you know, as a seven seed, it was hard to see Xavier kind of as as a legitimate threat to win the Big East tournament. Especially without Edmund Sumner. Yeah, and I think they're changing minds now. And I think 100% they're a lock for the for the national tournament. Yeah, Blewett, Blewett had a game-high 23 points in Xavier's five-point win over Butler. A huge upset, really the, the biggest upset of the only upset, really, of the, of the uh, Big East tournament so far in 2017. And then quickly, before we preview the semifinal matchups, let's talk about Creighton's 12-point win over Providence. James, Dan and I were huge on Providence last week and their six-game, I believe, their six-game win streak heading into the conference tournament. Creighton really came out, and they've been really underrated since losing Mo Watson. Justin Patton, the freshman of the year, didn't have a huge game, but overall, despite shooting four of 20 from three, <laughs> Creighton took out Providence by double digits. Imagine that. I can't even imagine a Creighton team. They're a great team. shooting team. A Creighton team shooting four of 20 from the three-point and line. winning by twelve and winning, yeah, exactly. But yeah, this this is a very underrated Creighton team. I absolutely agree. Once they lost Watson, they, you know, they really they were struggling a little bit, but they still kept afloat, and they're going to be, I believe, a five seed or six in the NCAA tournament. I don't really like Creighton a lot in the tournament, but I, I've been impressed with their conference tournament play so far. At least yesterday, their only game so far. Yeah, I. Like Matt Murphy, I was very high on Providence coming into this game. This was a game that Providence had several opportunities to get back in. Uh, Creighton was playing sloppy, several turnovers. I mean, same goes for Providence. Creighton scored 26 points off turnovers, which is unbelievable. And But another crazy stat, Providence shot 50% 
near I think about fifty three percent from the three free throw line, which from is, the three point line would be yeah, pretty good, but from yeah. the free throw line, not so. I much. mean, those are free points. I asked coach about that, and he said, you know, there's nothing they can do. They practice it. It's just one of those things that happens. Um, but yeah, I'm like Matt Murphy. I don't see Creighton making a a big threat in the in the national tournament. Yeah, for the sake of time, let's move ahead and preview the matchups in the semis. The final four teams remaining for the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And if free throw shooting matters tonight, we'll see if it does. But Providence, not the best, but they're not in this tournament anymore, so it won't matter. The first game of the night on Friday, number one seeded Villanova in the conference against number five Seton Hall, a rematch of last year's conference tournament title game that Seton Hall won, but didn't really matter for Villanova because they went on to win the national championship. I'm really interested. I think the big matchup everyone's going to be looking at is Delgado in the post against Reynolds for Villanova. No Ochefu this year for the Wildcats. Post play has been a concern for them, and Seton Hall will look to utilize Angel Delgado a lot. Now, Villanova has been the best team in college basketball the last three seasons. The winningest team, national champions last year, but all three seasons have had the same theme. They have lost a game to Seton Hall in each of the past three years. They can be had tonight. There is no doubt about it in my mind. They can be had tonight. Seton Hall has always given them a tough time, especially at Madison Square Garden. Two of those three wins were at Madison Square Garden. Here's what Seton Hall has to do to beat Villanova. Villanova's keys to the game, I don't care about them. Their keys to the <laughs> make game threes. is they to just shots. play like they normally do, even on a bad day. Here is what Seton Hall has to do. Angel Delgado has to stay in the ballgame. Villanova, I know them, they will go right after Angel Delgado. Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, they're going to go straight to the rim against Delgado, and they're going to beg him to commit fouls. When he's in foul trouble, the Hall, they're cooked. Desi Rodriguez is a key player for Seton Hall. He is off and on. When he is on, he is on. But he is a lot. He is a big-time isolation player. When he's in ISO mode, sometimes there's no getting him out of ISO mode. So Desi Rodriguez needs to keep composed. He needs to make the simple basketball plays in order for Seton Hall to win. Kadeen Carrington has to score at least 25 points tonight in order for the Hall to win. Miles Powell has to hit at least three three-pointers. And they have to play a good d- game defensively as well. They need to close out on shooters, and they need to keep Josh Hart in check. So basically what we're saying is Seton Hall has to do a lot. They, yes. ha- they have to do a, a heck of a lot to beat Villanova, one of the top teams in the, in the country and the number one seed in the conference. Villanova took both regular season meetings this year, Dan. Most recently... Not too long ago, February 18th, without their starting center, Daryl Reynolds, they beat Seton Hall by 22, uh, 92 to 70. Geez. James was there. Don't remind me. James was in attendance. As were, it was a huge crowd. Oh, massive C- crowd. Seton Hall came up way short in that one. You know what? I, I Sorry, James. Oh, I hate God, to say this. Don't but do it. <laughs> I don't see Villanova losing this game. I think Angel Delgado will have another double-double. But at the end of the day, Villanova, their, their defense – both their defense and offense are top 10 offensive uh, and defensive efficiency, and I don't see Seton Hall having an answer for that. I think this game is going to be kind of, well, it should be a good game, but I think ultimately Villanova is going to win, and uh, their their huge blowout win yesterday was just, you know, ultimately fuel to the fire. 
I like Villanova to win this one as well. If you can get double digits from Eric Paschal, that's huge, especially considering they only play six or seven guys. Him and DiVincenzo off the bench have been great all year. I think that continues on Friday night tonight, and I think Villanova wins. James, are you comfortable picking Seton Hall for the upset? No. We gotta are you, have go- someone are you, do are it. you going to? I no, you can't. You, you really can't with the way this Surprising. Nova team looked. Look, this is the probably the best team in the country. Uh, I think they're firing on all cylinders. I how can anybody pick Seton Hall in this game? Even me. But look, Eric Pascal, by the way, he's a guy that worries me in this game. He is strong enough down low. He's not tall. He's not as tall, but he is strong enough down low to contend with Delgado. Let's look at the late game. Seventh seeded Xavier against sixth seeded Creighton. Both teams had upsets to get here in the semis. Who do we think is going to meet Villanova in the Big East Conference tournament title game? I'm not really sure right off the bat. It should be a pretty good matchup. They split regular season meetings. I think Xavier takes it. Um, I'm very impressed with how they played this week. And I just think, well, it should be a good game again, but I think it's going to come down to two players, and that's Xavier, that's J.P. McCura, and that is Trayvon Blewett. If those guys can score consistently, I think they should have no problem beating Creighton. Again, I expect this game to be very close, final, kind of kind of similar to the Providence game. The Providence game was closer than the score suggests. Prov- uh, Creighton kind of pulled away at the end, and I expect that Creighton to see a similar game tonight. Only Xavier wins this. You know, I like Xavier as well, and you mentioned J.P. McCura. J.P. McCura, I loved him for years, loved slash hated him because I've always hated playing against him with Seton Hall, but he's always been, in my mind, one of the most underrated players in the Big East the I last just hate, several years. I just hate how he wears long sleeves <laughs> underneath of his uniform. He's a, he's a great player, very gritty, and uh, he he's one like like Painter where I feel like his stats don't necessarily always translate to the final box score. He contributes to the team in ways that you know are pretty unmeasurable, in my opinion. And a major storyline about this one, I, I like Xavier to win too because I don't think Creighton can shoot it as poorly as they did against Providence and get away with a win against a team like Xavier that's riding a little momentum right now. A big storyline is Mo Watson, the point guard for Creighton, was injured the first time these teams met. Creighton still hauled on for a 72-67 win on January 16th. But that was a big turning point in their season where a lot of teams fell off the Creighton bandwagon. And that's just something to keep in your the back of your mind tonight because their only win this year against Xavier came with, with Mo Watson playing, although he was injured during the game. So it's something to follow the Mo Watson-less Blue Jays going against Xavier. Absolutely. Another thing I forgot to mention – Creighton probably travels just as well as every other Big East team, which is pretty remarkable given the fact that they're in Omaha, Nebraska, and several of these teams are, you know, within an hour, two-hour drive, Providence, Seton Hall, Villanova, St. John's. So props to Creighton fans. They really show up. And... uh, but I think Xavier, Xavier, sorry, excuse me, they're just too locked in. Don't be that in. guy that says Xavier. That, that's every guy that is at those games in the press box. It's so annoying. <laughs> but Xavier, their coach mentioned just how they are only focused on the Big East tournament. And I look to see them meet Nova tomorrow for the championship. Creighton, by the way, I, I was at the, I've been at every Big East final of the new Big East. Creighton had a huge, huge fan turnout in the first New Big East final when they played Providence. Providence, excuse me. 
So I think that's all we have time for tonight. It's been a great Big East edition of this show, and thank you for coming on, James, and making your official debut. We both, all three of us, I should say, like Villanova and Xavier to be the matchup on Saturday in the in the title game, and I think it's safe to say we all think Villanova is probably going to win the conference tournament title. I expect that game to be very close. Um, crazy thing about the Big East is, James, you mentioned Villanova has been the best team in the last three seasons. Last year, they didn't win the Big East tournament, and we often see in college basketball the trend, what happened with Kansas. The The best team in the conference doesn't always win the conference tournament. So I don't know, that, that may be a sign for, uh, that may be something to hope for if you're a Creighton or Xavier fan, and I would love to see Nova go down. There's Trust your... me, you don't want Villanova to go down as much as I do. <laughs> There's our final, our final words from James Corrigan today on this Big East episode. Thanks for tuning in. Tom Scabelli and James Decker will be back. Selection Sunday, really right around the corner right now, but stay tuned for the next episode of the student section, WFUV's College Basketball Podcast. For Dan DiOrio and James Corrigan, I'm Matt Murphy. Be a fan of the student section. Happy, happy.